This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 168 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Finish Line Fencing, the original and the only warranted horse fence of its kind. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we are all about royalty and passion for the thoroughbred racehorse. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my right-hand person, left-hand person, my producer, Jen, with me today. How are you, Jen? Heidi-ho, Debbie! I, I, I'm so excited to hear about what's going on today. So excited. Oh, oh my gosh. This, uh, you know, this is one of those episodes that I really... You know, it takes a little coordinating because these are busy people. But when I get them all saying yes in the same direction, usually, you know, what I have to do is like I have to do it like last minute. Like, how about in two days? Done. You know, then they can do it, right? You know, mm-hmm. if I do long term planning, mm-mm, no. get kicked right out. But there's a lot going on in the thoroughbred world right now. And I know that sounds kind of polarizing because a lot of people are like, throw the bum out, right? You know, yes, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just don't believe in banning anything. I really do. I think we can change things for the better. If there was something there to salvage, just like the Tennessee walking horses and other things that are controversial, salvage it, find a better way to do it because I don't want to condemn too many horses to, you know, not being utilitarian anymore. You know, I, people forget that the other end of the spectrum of banning is leaving horses high and dry for what they were doing. So I I think changing the industry is, it's going to take some passionate people who love thoroughbreds and don't want their industry to go away. And I think these three that we have on the radio today are just the people to do it. There we go. It's, it's just like that old adage that you teach your dog to stop barking by teaching him to bark. Hmm, it's, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, we should not focus so much on getting rid of horse things as creating alternative horse things. Mm. And jobs okay. and positions, ways to work with them. Because if you just say to somebody to stop something, they need to fill the void. Yes. That's the way you know, energy, can, energy and mass cannot be created nor destroyed. It just gets transferred. So these are great people who are creating ways so that as the void is created because something is stopping, there is something to fill it so it doesn't become that vacuum. And these these people are really doing that. And they're not doing it by magic. They're doing it by persistence and tenacity. And I I love to hear from people who are tenacious. And speaking of tenacious... Mm-hmm. finish line fencing, a tenacious yeah. product. Let's hear about it. It holds up too, yes. Well, I'm really excited. I've got Kim and Lisa on again from Finish Line Fencing. And today, you guys, I wanted to tell you that I'm getting lots of great feedback from the DIYers. And um, those are the do-it-yourselfers. And, uh, you know, I'm actually inspired to be a DIYer after listening to this. But, you know, they're they're actually putting things together like they want to do a round pin or they want to do a track for their horse in the backyard. So I noticed on your shop that you have, like, all the parts and pieces. Can you tell us a little bit about the shop and how comprehensive it is. 
Absolutely. So we do have a full shop page on our website um, with all of the finish line, finish line spools, coils, and all of the accessories needed to install, um, and all of the post attachments as well. We do carry um, the electric, um, a few options of that as well. Um, you can also, when you're getting your order together, we are more than happy to get you a post quote as well. Just give us a call um, and we can get all of that information, different quotes for you on different types of posts. Um, we are definitely here to, to work with you and, and make this experience so enjoyable. And um, just so your fence looks beautiful once it's done, you'll be really happy. So you can give us a call, um, order all the supplies, or if you end up going with an installer, have your installer give us a call. Um, and we can, uh, we work with new installers all the time. Good. Okay. So you can walk us through making a beautiful fence. How do people get a hold of you? Find us at finishlinefence.com. Um, you can find our Facebook page. It's Finish Line Fence, or just give us a call um, at 877-625-6100. Over the past 38 years, Stacy Enner has been out Arthur Hancock III have raised three Kentucky Derby winners as well as six champions in the U.S. and Europe on their stone farm outside Paris, Kentucky. Stacy has played an integral role in the farm's success. She's served as president of the Stone Agency, which specializes in equine insurance, and she has overseen the farm's public relations and advertising. The Hancocks have raised six children, and they all share the passion for the horse and farmland conservation. Well, welcome, Stacy Hancock and Monty Roberts. I have you two on the phone. This is wonderful. Thanks for agreeing to uh, give us an update on what's going on in your worlds and your worlds, especially with helping horses out. Who would like to start? Well, I would just like to say thank you since we can't travel. I think we've been trying to get together for a while, but this is the next best thing. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, well, I appreciate carving out the time. So I, I wanted to have you two on and I just step out of the conversation and just listen to you two talk about, oh, I don't know, the state of the, the horse uh, racing industry for sure and maybe horse industry as a whole. But I know the specific things that you two have talked about are drugs and racing, same day racing drugs and um, and some of the things uh, good influencers are doing to try to make life better for horses. Yeah. Casey, you just can't imagine how important this call is to me. You're a young lady and you're the next generation, you and Debbie and others. And I just got off with one of the queen's representatives and now it's the queen of woe on and <laughs> Marty Irby, Marty Irby and people like that. I mean, they will be canonized. It's just unbelievable how this world is changing. And it's due to all of us cranking on the wrenches of change, which indeed have been waiting 6,000 years to happen. We're supposed to be the most intelligent species on Earth. And how could it take 6,000 years to figure out that the flight animal doesn't need to be beaten up or drugs to its hilt to perform for you? They will do it as a partner if you get it right. And you are just such an example for me of those people out there making an arm of heading it in the right direction. And Stacy, let me tell you, is working. It's definitely working. 
The one thing we have to be most careful for now is the interlopers, the people coming in wanting to steal it now and say, oh, I had this idea a long time ago, and now I think I'm going to go this way or that way, and they want change because they want it in their name. And I have a man who's doing join up in Australia, for instance, where he has a whole family sit down in the middle of an arena in the dirt, and he turns horses loose in there, and he's calling it join up. And mm. that's a registered trademark with us, and this has nothing to do with join up. I have a, a fake in, in India and one in Hong Kong. I have a fake in Scotland. And, um, you know, you are from a family and a part of the real movement toward nonviolence and, and fairness and humane treatment of our animals, and I so appreciate you. Well, those words coming from you, I can't tell you how much it means to me because you've been the leader in relationships with horses and how to relate to horses. And so, again, there are no words. I can't thank you enough for those kind words. But I think those of us who love these horses and understand the relationships we can have with them, uh, it's our calling. It is for me anyway. It's a calling. It's a passion and never give up until, you know, all of our horses are respected and and cared for the way they should be. Whether it's water, whether it's wild horses, whether it's our race horses, whether you see more disciplines and and different breeds than I do. I see mostly thoroughbreds, but they all serve the same. And that's okay because... They are the same, you know, they have four legs and they are flight animals and they are the same and they deserve the same kind of a treatment. And you know, Stacy, the fact that you're specializing is, is good in many ways because we need the power of your uh, inclinations to go to one discipline and to work on that discipline, because if you get yourself spread too thin, you like me, you're up day and night trying to keep all the ends met and, uh, you know, the irons in the fire. And, and yet somebody needs to represent a plethora of these disciplines. And I guess I'm elected because I have operated <laughs> at world-class level in 52 separate disciplines. And the, the organizations that judge these things have agreed that I have operated at 52 separate disciplines at world-class levels. Now, that doesn't make me good or perfect in any way, shape, or form. It just makes me broad spectrum, but I can certainly look to people such as yourself and Marty Irby as being those kind of people that are pointed, they're direct, and their power is in one spot, that's great. We need a lot of them in a lot of different spots. And you certainly represent one. Well, I think that's a good plan. You can see the forest, and I can look at my tree and try to get things in <laughs> line there. So, Out of girl. So. And, and, you know, I might save a forest, but it will be each with one tree at a time. And uh, you are just as important, and particularly the racing world. You know how 
that one is a broader spectrum than most of the others. And there have been enormous mistreatments in racing over the generations as we've come through. And uh, both of us have lived through those things. And the family that you married into, of course, is at the apex of the racing and breeding of thoroughbred horses. And going back to Bull, he was a good friend of mine. He sent me a lot of young people that were deserving people that I worked with here. And uh, Bull Hancock is a cornerstone. And he's still there in Paris, Kentucky. And his uh, I visited his grave on several occasions. And oh, um, Yeah, and I, I really mean this. Um, I'm not so sure that anybody in the Hancock family has been as strong as you've been because oh. they married the right lady and uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, you're very kind. My husband planted the seed and Arthur, and while he's been very passionate about this, he's been busy running his farm and breeding horses and trying to win races. Um, I know you feel this way and I feel this way. You know, I think racing horses, horses are bred to race. They want to race. I can look out my window here and see the foals and they're racing one another. It's born into them. It's something they want to do. And I think horse racing is is a great traditional sport. It's just sadly taken a few wrong turns and the horses aren't being treated as they should be. So that's what we're after. Right. And you and I have to come to the realization that they are loving to run. They are born with the desire to race one another. And banning anything is a sentence of death to a lot of things. And banning isn't the answer. It's making our disciplines better, not banning them. And there are well-meaning people who would suggest that we should ban racing. And tens of thousands of horses would die within days of banning racing globally if that was to happen. So let the horses run, but let them run, don't make them run. Let them run, don't administer drugs to the extent that they have to run. If it's their idea and they're a partner with us, there's nothing wrong with them running against one another. Watch in the field, and you'll see that's true. Right. And and I'm a f- firm believer that not every horse is going to, as far as thoroughbreds, let's stick with thoroughbreds. That's my forte. But not every thoroughbred is going to be a great racehorse. Right. But that doesn't mean he's not a great athlete. And right. hopefully you've seen through your programs a lot of uh, registered thoroughbreds who have gone on to work in other disciplines, dressage, eventing, horse showing. Um, oh, that, I mean, that's they're great athletes. True. They have great minds. They, they have great hearts. And just because they don't run the fastest that day, that's not, you know, that's so, away that's from so that true. That's so true. And, you know, that horse that doesn't particularly want to run and isn't running fast doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure. It might be really good at something else. And that something else might even be carrying a middle-aged lady or a 12-year-old child down the pathway 
or it might be jumping a fence six feet tall or something. But there's a lot of ways for those horses to find a life that's worthwhile. And it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to keep trying to find those pathways whereby the horse can have a reasonable life and a, and a humane life. It's, it's very possible if we just keep our minds to it. Stacy, you um I, I wanted to ask you, you have an OTTB repurposing program of some sort, don't you? On the farm, um I try very hard at Stone Farm to follow the horses that are sold or in in some cases claimed, which I don't really like the claiming ranks and there was just a really good program of changing that in the United States at the jockey club two Sundays ago. So I hope that that's going to be a change. But at any rate, horses that don't make it at the track, we always try to find them homes and repurpose them and make sure they're safe. And it starts with the sticker that we put on all of the uh, registration papers, or now that they've gone digital, we put on the digital papers is that no horse that we breed is meant for the slaughter pipeline. And please call us so that we can um, help find them another home. And then oh, from there, we, we we try to find them other homes, what they're best suited for. Some of them have been mistreated at the track with the use of drugs, and that's how I got on to this issue. They've been injected and given all kinds of medications that have let them run through injuries, which have caused their inju- injuries to get worse. So if we can ban the, ban drugs on race day and ban the use of some therapeutic drugs, which they're using inappropriately just for the race and not for an illness or an injury, I think that'll really help us. It'll help the horses have second careers. It'll help the industry and our reputation as a sport and bring back some fans that we may have lost along the way. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, isn't that great? And, and uh, people could go back and listen on our podcast, Horsemanship Radio. We we did have you on episode 138. And I, I encourage people to go back and listen to that because your story about how you discovered that great horses had been maybe even put into a you know meat truck or at, at a point or another. And without digging that up, uh, people can go back and listen to that. And that really tugged at your heart. But I, I'd love for you to mention Woe and the Water Hay Oats Alliance that you started, too, so that people are aware of that. Well, we were thrilled when Monty Roberts decided that he could support our mission and joined as a supporter of the Water Hay Oats Alliance, which uh, started in 2012. It's a grassroots movement of like-minded horsemen and racing enthusiasts, horse lovers, who are supporting the passage of uh, legislation to ban the use of performance-enhancing drugs, which is really kind of, our mission has really grown um, over the years. So what is that? Over a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> um, We've been working on this. And now we see the importance of out-of-competition testing and make sure everyone's playing on the up-and-up. And so our legislation would include out-of-competition testing a really good program as far as how the testing is done so that it's done uniformly so that the labs that do the testing are all uniform, which brings 38 different racing jurisdictions under one umbrella. Great. And 
be headed up by the United States Anti-Doping Agency, which does a fantastic job. Great. Who's doing it? Sorry, go ahead. Let me tell you one thing um, that I went through myself that endorses what you've just said. When I signed on to WOE, I was at the track here in California on a particular morning, right after I signed on. And one of the most prominent trainers on the face of this earth came up to me, and generally he would come up and smile and shake my hand. This time it wasn't that way. And he stuck his finger in my chest, and he said, so, you've joined the ranks of the Namby Pambies, have you? <laughs> so, let me tell you that I am, and he went on about how what a high-placed trainer he was, and he said, what I want you to do is go back to being a cowboy and hide in a hole somewhere, uh, you've given up on our uh, industry, and I, I want you to know that I hate that. And he walked away from me. And uh, when I saw him, that he has signed on to woe now, you have come a million miles. <laughs> that, that guy was furious. I won't mention names because he has changed. and And yet, this so often happens where the first flush of all of this is one thing. But when you have people such as Stacey Hancock behind it who just keep making it make sense, then you will get those kind that are intransigent in the beginning, and then they come around when they see it's actually better. Well, those are kind words again. And, you know, those of us, you, um, our other woe supporters who've, who've taken a stand and shared their reputation and name with, with woe have really made a difference. And as I said, we started in 2012 with, there were eight of us and we just wanted to have one voice instead of eight voices. And now we have over 2000 members with one voice and the voice mm-hmm. says we want uniform medication rules in the United States. And we, we want to get rid of all these performance-enhancing drugs, and horses will run on their heart and their ability, and may the best horse win. Great. Yeah, and this guy's one of your 2,000 members. Did you say 2,000 members? <laughs> yes, sir. And he's one of your 2,000 members, and I don't think he even remembers that position that he took on that morning. I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, well, I as know you say, that- it's starting to make sense to people. Yeah. And the fact that we had such a terrible time with all the breakdowns at Santa Anita, and we've, now we've had the federal indictments, the FBI's gotten involved and taken down some trainers for some terrible things they've done, and those those investigations are ongoing. So we're, we're going to see more of those, and we're going to clean shop and have good rules that will protect the horses and protect the jockeys and protect the sport. So yeah. that's our goal. Well. A notable goal it is, and those of us that love these horses certainly congratulate you for what you're doing. And any time I can be of any assistance for whatever influence I have in the industry, I will. I am happy to step forward and do that. Well, just having having you as a supporter has been huge and gotten a lot of attention. So now that we're in uh, the halls of Congress are closed, but we're still lobbying and, and we send, um, the representatives 
uh, that we're speaking to everyone's comment about the bill. So good. good Stacey, good. I had a quick question. Is there a country or a racing organization outside of the United States that's doing what you believe is the right thing is, is a great example for the U S to go by? I mean, it's really embarrassing to say this, but most every other country is um. Hong Kong has a, Hong Kong has a great anti-medication program. British horse racing authorities, we like to say that we support the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities. And their rules say that no foreign substances that can affect a horse's biological makeup can be used in horse racing. And some of those substances, you know, are out of the system in 48 hours. Some of them are, you know, two weeks, some of them are a month, and a lot of them are banned totally. So those are the rules that we would like to see included into a piece of federal legislation. Okay. Well, that's my second question is, to people hope, what can they do? What would be something that you can suggest to listeners that they might, some call to action? I mean, I could go and talk to a representative from Wyoming, but I'm not from Wyoming. He wants to hear from his constituents. Mm -hmm. So if, if everyone could call their representatives in their state and ask them to support the Horse Racing Integrity Act, we're, we're at 256 in the House right now. I know this Congress is coming to an end soon, you know, in December. So we don't have much time, but if we could keep pushing for a floor vote, and asking Ms. Pelosi to make sure the bill gets to the floor for a vote. In the Senate, we're making headway, um, and I'm hoping that uh, both bills are on the floor at the same time, so I'm hoping that that'll happen. And the only way it'll happen is if constituents reach out to their representatives in the House and the Senate and tell them how important this is, not only to horse racing, but to the horse, to the jockey, to all the auxiliary industries and businesses, the hay man, the blacksmith, the veterinary medicine clinic, mm-hmm. all the, you know, all the different businesses that are associated with um, any kind of horse sport, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people don't think about the, the whole industry as um, it supports a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And right. horses. And, you know, it's such a curse to us when, somebody from the jockey club steps out and up to a mic and says, now we've voted for something that's very positive here. And we finally got a vote through in a positive way for this. Now we had to have to get the rest of the world to follow us. And I want to say, what are you thinking about? The rest of the world is in front of us and has been in front of us for a long time. And when I travel to these other countries, they can't figure out what's taking us so long to get it through, you know? It's, we're getting ready to have the big sale here in Kentucky mm-hmm. next, next couple weeks. And, mm-hmm. of course, COVID's changed the whole complexion of how that's going to operate. But sure. the buyers over the last 30 years have changed remarkably because it used to be all buyers from around the world would want to come and buy horses from the United States and horses from Kentucky in particular. But, you know, now they don't really trust what, what the horse is. Is it Mm -hmm. 
an organic horse? Is it a chemical horse? So mm-hmm. that's really hurt our, our market here. Mm-hmm. And hoping that'll help, you know, turn that part of uh, the sport and the industry around. Great. You know, people. Sh- I want people to go to Stone Farm dot com and that is your your farm and see the good things that you're doing too especially somebody who's not that familiar maybe with the racing industry and all the things we said just scared the heck out of them maybe (laughs) that you know i I always wanted to buy into a thoroughbred but now i'm just sure they should see what you're doing and and your website i think is a good representation of the right way to be tell here's a random question Tell me about Strode's Creek by Arthur Hancock, the music that is on stonefarm.com. It's so beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Well, my husband, Arthur, sends his regards. But he, as a young man, he had to make a decision. And he loved horse racing and loved his family heritage and the traditions that had been brought up with. But he also really loved writing music. So... Uh, he chose to stay in the horse industry and, and start Stone Farm and try to raise everyone a good horse. But in the meantime, over the years, he's written music and he's played music, cut some CDs, had some people like Willie Nelson cut some of his songs. So, you know, it's his pa- it's a passion of his. And so we put it on the website, one of them anyway. Oh, please, oh, people go there and listen to the beautiful <laughs> music too. And see the beautiful drone shots of this Kentucky farm. It's just gorgeous. Stonefarm.com. Thanks. Look Stacey, at that. Did Arthur mm-hmm. ever tell you about riding his motorcycle into the swimming pool? Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Did he? <laughs> it's a famous story around here. I oh, was there on. that night. I was there. <laughs> Well, you scared can tell me the to story. death. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> it scared there. me to death. I <laughs> thought I thought somebody was getting killed, you know, and here he was having fun. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> but On the point note, I was going to make is yeah. from the from the website to driving your motorcycle is swimming pool. I mean, this is um, I mean, this is a great great lifestyle. It's you know, it's natural horsemanship we try to do it the best way we can and and it's we've had to call money on several occasions when we have a stall walker or horse that's not cooperating you know and he figures it out he figures it out and i'm i'm happy to answer any calls from you my lady and i i will be there to help any way i can well i'll tell you a story one one because i know that you've been speaking with some folks in england well one Philly, we had over to John Gosden and was in Newmarket, and mm-hmm. he was having some trouble because they were keeping her up more than, we turn horses out a lot, so they were in the box over there a little bit longer. So Arthur said, now, Monty Roberts said, if you just cut a bigger window, a big window, big picture window in the stall, she'll be able to see the other horses and she'll quit, and of course she did. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, they they nice are herd a, they are herd animals, aren't they? And they they really do want some visiting privileges. They don't like to just be isolated. Yeah, right, right. She was lonely. Yeah, <laughs> be bad for anyway. us too. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the story. Thank you guys both for letting us listen in a little bit about the updates of what's going on. And I hope that as things change, maybe with this COVID thing and start to open a little bit, we'll hear some news from Washington. 
good news. I hope so. Well, I, I, hope I so. just hope I just hope that the listeners on Horsemanship Radio stay supporting horse racing. It is what the horses want. And we just have to do it right and get out of their way and not be humans just thinking in a human way, but get a little bit a partner with the horse. And then you'll find that they love to race and we got to do it right. Well, you couldn't have said it any better. It's a great sport and it's great for the horses. It's great for the jockeys. I watched Seabiscuit again the other night and it made me cry. So that's what they want to do. <laughs> So, That's right. But thank you That's so much right. for your support, and Debbie for your support, and we'll just keep keep pushing forward. One All right, girl. Front of give, the other. Thanks, Stacey. Give our best to Arthur. I will. I'll tell him you okay. told on him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank uh, you all. Thank you, bud. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm coming to you now to talk about the Monty Roberts Online University. You know, there ought to be six months in everybody's life where they just live with their animals. I've been staying home. But three months now, I've been home with this virus thing. And the things I'm learning, we're bringing you a new series. What horses see, how horses see, and about horses seeing things. The online university is bringing you the last three years of my learning process, which I promise you, is the learningest years I ever spent. The Monty Roberts Online University. Uh, You won't miss a minute of it if you get started on it. I love bringing it to you, and it's my shot to take my concepts to the next generation. Jamie Jennings trains horses and people in Norman, Oklahoma. In the summer of 2018, She received her certification to be a Monty Roberts instructor. Jamie competes in the sport of three-day eventing and has competed all across the United States. Her favorite thing is transitioning horses off the racetrack to their second careers. She also has a deep love for gentling Mustangs. Jamie is co-host of the popular Horses in the Morning podcast and also hosts the Retired Racehorse Radio about the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Monty Roberts will be joining Jamie. Monty is the founder of Join Up International and a world-renowned horse trainer. And I, his legacy strategist, we named a stellar group of individuals who've worked tirelessly to learn and carry on the gentle and effective concepts that Queen Elizabeth witnessed in 1989 when Monty demonstrated Join Up and the introduction of the first saddle and rider to a young filly owned by the Queen's mother. Recognizing the value of join-up, Queen Elizabeth encouraged Monty to demonstrate and train more horsepersons in these methods, setting him on a life's mission that continues today to leave the world a better place for horses and for people, too. Well, welcome. I have two icons on. Do you like that, Jamie? (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I've introduced you already, but it's Jamie Jennings and Monty Roberts, and you two are just, you're just you're killing it. You're doing everything the right way these days. And it's nice to be recognized, isn't it? Isn't it, Dad, um, that to have her recognized and, and Jamie, isn't it well, nice to I, you know, I never dreamt, really, when Jamie first came on that it would go this way and that we would be having a phone call about her work with 
recalcitrant horses and mm-hmm. horses that need a home and things like that. There were other things that I thought she could do with the radio and all that kind of thing. And, and her work with veterans has been fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. Um, she can take a step back and take a breath and think, my word, uh, this is a broader field than I ever dreamed I could accomplish when I first checked in. Do you not agree, Jamie? Monty, I, th- I think I wake up every day surprised at what I'm doing, but also so satisfied and so happy with things the way they're, that they're going. And, you know, gosh, I feel like after coming to flag is up and going through the certification process and getting certified, it's changed my life completely. And not only has it changed my life, it's been able to change the lives of the humans and the animals around me. So I just couldn't be more pleased or more proud. You know, for new listeners, yeah. I'd love to throw in, Dad, how did you two meet, Jamie? How did Where did you first meet? Where did I first meet your dad? Oh yeah. my gosh. I saw him at a clinic in Lexington, Kentucky in 1996. Okay. Didn't meet him that day. Didn't get to meet. <laughs> okay. All right. But you knew of his concepts. Then when did you get to officially meet? He did a clinic in Arizona where I was living at the time, and I called you because you were also on horses in the morning quite a bunch as a guest, and I I thought, well, I would love to come and meet you, Debbie, and it just happened to get to spend time with your dad, too, and but I actually have watched that. I don't know how deep you wanted me to dive into that, but- just to put it in a perspective of, you know, how long you guys have known each other, not that long. And, and, and what changed your mind that night about, you know, is he another natural horsemanship clinician? You know, what, what stood Gosh. out? You know, what stood out is that, and, and I've been to, I've been to John Lyons clinics and I've been to the Australian guys clinics. And I, I just, what, what impressed me with Monty's methods is that it was all something, and this is what I've said since the beginning of learning the concepts, it's not frightening to me. You know, I, I, I there's no flooding involved. There's no huge reaction that you're going to get from the horse. There's no violence. I don't have to be a big, strong, tough mm. girl to get this stuff done um, and to, to be able to achieve with a horse what I want to achieve. So when I saw your dad's clinic, Monty, when I saw your clinic, I was just so impressed with the incremental ways that it was working. Like if, if you, you go at the horse really big, you're going to get a big reaction. So let's figure out a way. And you have to think using the horse's language, how to break it down to the smallest step and using their language achieve so much so quickly. So I watched your dad do, you know, the first saddle and first bridle and first rider and long lining and all of that. And it's very impressive. But I think too, watching, there was a clipping demonstration and it was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not just going to throw the clippers up on the horse, snub him down, put a twitch on him and clip him. I'm going to start with just, I don't know, a toothbrush on a stick that's electric and vibrating. And then to go up from there and The trailer loading, I just thought was incredible too. So to be able to watch everything be so gentle and so peaceful and and, and so incremental that now as a trainer, I I don't get, 
I don't get scared. You know, mm. I used to get scared when I would do things because you, and when you bring that fear to the horse, they're going to feel it right back. Mm. And then it just it explodes. So to be able to see a way that could start with such a small step and so quickly achieve the goal that you're wanting to achieve because there's no fear and no pain and no violence. To me, that was what made me want to learn, learn everything I can. Wow. I'd forgotten that you were in Kentucky, um, at that demo. Uh, what were your mind thoughts at that point in time? What were you thinking about? Well, in 1986, you know, this was your first kind of the book had just come out and I'd read the book and watching you do that clinic, you had a couple young thoroughbreds and what, what really struck me, and I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this ever, um, is that somebody asks a question, you achieve the first rider, the rider's up, they're riding around the round pin, and there's a lot of skepticism in that room. Oh my gosh. I just happened to be a student at the Kentucky Horse Park for their equine management school that they had back then, and that's why I got to go. But, but I don't even know if I've told you that before, <laughs> but somebody raised, you took questions at the end, and, and somebody raised their hand, you called on them, and they said, well, what do you do tomorrow? You know, like yeah. you were going to be like right off into the sunset. And you know what? Your answer struck me as something and I've stuck with me forever. You, what do you do tomorrow? You go, same thing, same thing. <laughs> it's it. not, uh, you're yeah. not selling something as like, I have no trained this horse and you can go to the track. It was no, this is what you do until you can go further. And that's yeah. what struck me as, as just very honest and very pure and very, very smart. You weren't trying to put on a show. Your your thoughts were for for the horse, and that's what I loved yeah. about it. Mm. Yeah. And what did you think you were going to do in the horse industry at that point in time? What What were your mind thoughts? I think at that point in my life, I was I was young and brave, and I galloped race horses, and I didn't know what I was going to do. My my goal in Kentucky when I lived there in my from the time of like nineteen to twenty four, I. I just tried to do everything in the horse world that I could do. Um, I, I started my eventing career. I went from, I mean, I mucked stalls at a mare and full at three chimneys. I was the one who I had never handled babies. So I worked there and I worked at the track and I worked in the Gluck Equine Research Center. I just did everything to get my hands on it to see because I knew I wanted to have horses as a career in my life. Gosh, where were you when I needed you? the most. <laughs> then. Yeah. Well, I want your listeners to know that you are not an exception that a lot of people come to their first one. And when they decide this is what I want to do, they get it done. And now we have 80 some instructors and the world is changing dramatically overnight because young people are seeing that it is possible to do this thing without violence and you don't have to be strong and you don't have to be have fear in your heart when you go to a horse these things do work and i want your listeners to know that because 
you are an example of what can happen with virtually everybody that's listening to us at the moment. That's nice. Yeah, that's you're a good student, Jamie, and and I think that's recognized throughout. But the nice thing is it, it can be taught, and I wanted to have you both on because Jamie has just received one of 17 people that received an award from the Queen. And, and Dad, I've never really asked you this before, but do you think what Jamie describes as what she recognized in the different horses that you had done in the demonstration, do you think that's what the Queen saw in what you did? Oh, no question about it. The Queen is an observer like all outdoors. You just can't believe what she sees and remembers. And she's been with horses since she was a child, mm-hmm. and she loves them to death. And this was her opportunity to do the things that she thought could be done her whole life. Mm. But constantly people were telling her, oh, no, you can't do that. And particularly that she's the queen. You know, they were protecting her from learning these things. And when she saw just what Jamie described as being a safe way to go and without violence, she loved it to death. And, that, and she's proving it every single day. Yes, it's hard for her to recognize everybody that comes by. So we are so blessed that she's chosen this particular set of circumstances to do these uh, certificates for. Mm -hmm. It's the only ones that she's done. And the first set was seven, Debbie, and that was in 2012. Right. And those, those seven certificate holders have absolutely turned the world upside down with their own careers. It's just unbelievable. Those seven became, well, you know one of them, Katie Cunningham from Guatemala. She didn't really even know why she was there. And I saw it as an opportunity for her to take a very difficult country and help with the domestic violence in that country. And what did she do? She's helping millions of people today. So when the queen saw what those first seven did, she said, "Uh, we got to have another draft. And uh, so this one is 17. And I look for this one to be just, you know, 17 times the (laughs) effort of the first one. I think so too. And and I'd like to add too, that there's eight certified instructors on the list of 17, which is, it's an amazing list, Jamie, that, that you're on. And I think that, you know, the other people who are not certified instructors are, are masterful horse persons. So um, they definitely belong on the list, but I think it raises the value, uh, certainly the recognition of what you go through to become certified. It's, it's not the easiest, it's not a rubber stamp, that's for sure. (laughs) And, and I think it's inspired so many of those first people, I mean, really, this is the only second occasion in history that the British Crown has awarded certificates for influential equine protection work. So the recognition is not something she does annually or, you know, even occasionally. It's it's really a breakthrough, I think, for equine protection that she has put her name on these things. And I, I think it's it's wonderful that you're one of the instructors in that, but I think it's it's probably important that we say right now what you've just done in the last year. I love the relationship. Like Dad had mentioned that you had taken on projects with OTTBs, off-the-track thoroughbreds, uh, in rehoming them, repurposing them. I don't know. What do you call it? Well, what I've done is through the ASPCA, they awarded a grant 
to Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And because I was a certified Monty Roberts instructor, they chose me to be the trainer for all of the horses with using this this grant money. Mm-hmm. And what we do is I take these these guys that a lot of have had fine training and racing experiences and a lot of them have not not had the greatest time with it and they're all adoptable but a lot of times looking at a horse in a field doesn't really paint a great picture of the horse so we decided to kind of get going with restarting them Mm -hmm. seeing where they could go and what they should possibly do or what they want to do and finding a match for them so we've got Let's see. I got the numbers for you because you told me to oh, do good. some homework. Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation, up until I started working for them, has adopted 35 thoroughbreds out a year. This okay. year, since we started working together, we've adopted 75 thoroughbreds. And this is a small place in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And of the 35 that I've trained, 33 have been adopted so far. That's incredible. And one That's is being really fostered cool. at my house because I loved him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what do you think uh, of that, Dad? Is that a, Would you have well, imagined those it, numbers? It's just a blow away. And when others hear about this, we're going we're gonna to see a lot more happen geographically right around this globe of ours because there's a great need for it. And oftentimes the horses that are put in racing are pretty much put through the mill and, and they come out of it awfully uh, frightened of people and, and mm-hmm. hard to control. And to hear those kind of numbers happening is just such a gratifying feeling for me. I just feel so good inside for what you've done. And to think about you coming out here and doing our military clinics and making it happen and doing the things that you do on the radio, promoting nonviolent training and the whole aspect of you having students learning these things at the same time that you're causing horses to be adopted away. Wow. It just doesn't get better than this. And all of our European instructors and Scandinavian instructors have to know that this is a strong possibility for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I should read what the certificate says to Jamie too, so that it's not so obscure here. But it's for it's signed by Elizabeth R, the Queen Queen of the UK, uh, Her Majesty, and it says for her extraordinary efforts to reduce violence in the training of horses and her dedication to assist veterans and first responders with post traumatic stress by adopting Monty Roberts's concepts and initiatives. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I got to tell you, that was the absolute thrill of a lifetime to receive that. I didn't know it was coming in the mail and Debbie finally messages me, check your mail. And so <laughs> I, I, I did it and there it was. There's, there's just no feeling that you can get when, when queen of England recognizes you for something. It's Mm -hmm. it's just, you you can't, you know, that's, that's going to be on my mantle forever. My kids and my grandkids are going to, going to have that forever. So I I'm so pleased and proud, but I also thank you for, you know, recommending me for that, both of you. And and Debbie, I know you have a big part in that too. And, and y'all are just, you know, the, the family that I, I just consider you all family at this point. You are. You are. 
wonderful. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, uh, what do you challenge Jamie to do now beyond what Ooh, she's yeah. done already, Dad? You know, I'm I, I'm just sitting back and turning her loose. Uh, <laughs> she'll come up with some more things, I'm sure. When you choose these kinds of people to give these certificates to, get out of their way. You can make recommendations when you see something that might be done. But Jamie right now is a whirling dervish, making it happen <laughs> and in so many ways. And those listeners out there can realize they can be a part of this too. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to tell you, I'm super excited. I just received word that we got another grant from the ASPCA. So the work will continue, Monty, and I, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it. But again, I wouldn't have had any idea what I was, what I was going to do if, if I wouldn't have come to, to flag us up and, and, and gone through the certification. I have a, currently a waiting list of other horses as well. I'm booked all the way through March of next year, starting horses for people. And yeah. I just, I feel confident in the work that I'm doing. I feel relaxed in the work that I'm doing. I know there's challenges and I'm, I'm ready to learn any, anything else I can. Like you said, you never quit learning. There's always one that comes in. You're just, you know, it's a new challenge. And um, I am, I'm definitely so pleased to have you as a lifeline for all of this, but also just to be able to tell people through Horses in the Morning and Retired Racehorse Radio that it can be done without violence and it can be done in a gentle way and it can be done without frightening yourself or your horse. It's, it's a peaceful way to do things and to get things done and, and learn the steps and learn the language and it, it, it just comes naturally after that. Mm. Oh, that's you, so great. And awesome? it's no it's no surprise that the SPCA got another grant because this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. If you stop and think smart. about it, you're doing them a super favor to have these kinds of numbers being adopted out and finding good homes. It's just incredible. Congratulations. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You have an introductory course of horsemanship, a Monty Roberts intro course coming up in October too. Do you have that full now? How do people get a hold of you? I have one spot left. If oh, anybody okay. wants to come and take the intro course, I'm not in California. Oklahoma. Logistically, it's easier to get to Oklahoma for some people. Although I do have a woman signed up from Wyoming who's going to okay. drive down. And then I have a woman from Texas who's coming and a woman from Arizona who's coming. And I do have one spot left. It's a small, you know, close-knit group of people that are going to come together and it's 10 full days. You guys, the intro course is just, you just learn something every minute. So yeah, it's going to be October. If they want to get a hold of me and are interested in doing it, thanks that one spot left, you can go to, there's a Facebook page, flyover farm, flyover is all one word, flyover farm, Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. Go there. I Great. recommend it. Yep. And, and this, if you're listening to this post October, look her up again. She'll have other courses in the future too, because that's actually what this is all about is sharing it and, and passing it on. And we want to see more certified instructors out there in the U.S. and, and across the globe. Don't we? And I post videos daily about what horses I'm training, Monty. So that's why I yeah. send them all to you and say, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I mean, that's the stories. That's why they're adopted. Well, Jamie, we know your time is limited and we're going to turn you loose because we know you're a busy girl. 
Mm -hmm. I got to go pick up my kid from school. So (laughs) thanks, guys. Love you all. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Our love to you. Bye-bye. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, I'm a new horse owner and I have a 20-month-old colt I've never done a join-up with. He's already pretty connected to me. Would it benefit me to do one and should I wait until he's a little older? Monty's answer. My book, From My Hands to Yours, has a section on what I recommend regarding when and how much to do in the area of join-up. If you read that, you will realize you are already well past the point where I would have done my first join-up with them. It is my position that join-up done properly will always be beneficial. 20 months is a prime time to be sure that the horse is familiar with the partnership with human beings. I recommend the first is shortly after weaning. By 20 months, I would be doing two to three join-ups within a week's time. Get busy and I think you'll find it beneficial. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, October 12th through 16, coming right up. Monty's special training. It's one of my favorites all year long. And October 23 through 25, we have a horse sense and healing. And then November 6th through 8, we have an intro course, introductory course, module four. That's preparing for the intro exams. And then November 13 through 15, we have a horse sense and healing, as well as December 4 through 6, another horse sense and healing to round out the year. Then February 8th through 12th, we have another Monty's special training. And uh, those just produce so much of our lessons for the uni and TV episodes on horse and country. So those are a lot of fun. It's just a three-ring circus for five days. All right. And if you could, couldn't remember all of that. And by the way, how many modules are there? The, the, Four. The course? Four. That is the completion. of Many people took uh, modules one and two and three all the summer and even just finished up one this past week. And so everybody's dying to get into the module four so they can prepare for the intro exams and then get their intro certificate, which we're really glad because that means more instructors out there sharing and moving on in the, in the concepts. So the intro certificate has four modules. Mm -hmm. How many certificates are there till you get to the top? Well, there's only Two, frankly. Um, we have an introductory course, which doesn't get a certificate, and there's no prerequisites whatsoever. You can come into that as green as grass. And if you get through all four modules, or you can take an, an introductory course in, in a two-week course, too. Modules make it easier for the Americans, who don't get as much time off as the Europeans. Right. <laughs> Europeans, so if you can only get a week and, off from work, you can still exactly. go and, and get some stuff done. Yeah, exactly. They're usually Friday, Saturday, Sundays, not necessarily though, but we tried to, you know, work it out so that people could be, and someone will put back to back. So we'll have a two and a three together. So maybe it's just six days and people can get a one week off. So anyway, you'll see through the calendar there 
that tried to make it um, easier for most people to work it in there. So the first module is a lot of groundwork, a lot of dually training, a lot of a lot of groundwork for confidence um, to get to know the concepts, and then. Then we dive into join up. Module two is join up. Uh, the third module is a lot more intricate, like long lining, ground driving, uh, obstacles. So you can kind of see it gradually gets more and more. And interlaced between that is the theory too. Even even complicated stuff like bone structures and muscle structures and nutrition and things like that too. It, it is intertwined in there in theory. There we go. So if you go to montyroberts.com, just take your mouse and let it hover over the top blue banner up there, and it says Learning Center. And then you'll see the right. drop-down menu pop up that says Courses Calendar. You click on that, and ta-da, it's all right there in front You're of you. You're good. That's great. Yes, exactly right. Should be easy to find, but write me, Debbie at MontyRoberts.com, if you have any questions at all how to find or even decide which courses to take. There we go, 805-688-6288, or you can go to MontyRoberts.com. You'll find all the contact information you desire right there so you can get hooked up with the uni or courses or whatever's going to work for you. For details about today's show, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you're going to find links, photos, and more guests today. And we love your feedback. Please follow Monty on social media, and that's where the best place to give feedback, or you can go to the website and email there. The Facebook handle is Monty Roberts, and on Twitter... It's Monty underscore Roberts, as it's the same on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Pretty pictures on Instagram. Even some video, too. Kind of fun. And uh, go get the app if you haven't done so on already. That's the easiest way to listen to all the shows, including this one on Horse Radio Network. It is available for Android and iPhone. And you can also listen to the shows via your favorite pod streaming podcast streaming service like iTunes and Stitcher, etc. Yeah, very nice. You know, this last week we had two different mod courses and we had one guy stay for both and he's a tech guy, but a guy, that's unusual for smaller glasses, and he's a tech guy. This is like perfect. He's Brazilian and um, lives here in California now, but his grandfather has a big farm and he has 20 feral horses on the farm. So he said, well, I'm just going to take some courses from Monty and I'm going to head down there in December. I'm going to start them all. I'm like, you are so ambitious. That is so so cool. cool. He's been having fun. But I thought of him because when you were saying that, um, we, we were talking in the class about the Horse Radio Network app. And I said, that's the easiest way to listen to horsemanshipradio.com. So he was a little bit like, well, everybody hand me your phone. <laughs> I am going to put the app on for you. <laughs> and I thought, has Jen been talking to this guy? It's a very good idea, though. Anyway, so yes, get that app. Get that app. And many thanks to our sponsors who make Horsemanship Radio happen. I really appreciate them. Finish Line Fencing and Monty Roberts University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time. Have many happy horse hours. 